My name is Bryce, and I'm your host for The Inbound Secret, where we're talking with top performers and health experts and sales badasses alike about their strategies to optimize their well-being and performance. Once again, this is The Inbound Secret, and, and let's get rocking and rolling. This is The Inbound Welcome back to another episode of the Inbound Secret, guys. Today, I've got Shlomo Sher here, the CEO and founder of Smiles by Design, coming at us all the way from, I know you're up in Canada. Where Where are you at up there? Toronto. Toronto. The, the Blue Jays. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, without further ado, let everybody know who you are, kind of where you come from, a little bit about yourself, and let's kick this thing off. Okay, thank you very much. So, my name is Shlomo Sher. I, uh, I'm actually Israeli-born Canadian. I've uh, grown and raised here. Uh, I have a family of my own. I've got four kids, uh, two of them in university, one on the verge of going to university. Uh, and uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been a businessman and entrepreneur for many, many years. Uh, I'm in the dental industry. I've invented a bunch of different um, things in the dental industry uh, related to 3D scanning, 3D uh, design, 3D manufacturing. Uh, and over the last three, four years, we've been working with Clear Aligners uh, Orthodontic Service. And uh, we brought to the world a, uh, a different brand of orthodontic service, a premium one, I think, in that all our work is supervised by orthodontists. And we believe that people should get safe and effective uh, treatment. Uh, this is nothing to sneeze at. This is not a small matter to trifle with. It really does need to be uh, looked at as an important and uh, medical treatment at that. And that's where I am at. Um, during this pandemic, we're pretty much locked in. Uh, it's quite uh, devastating. You have to contend with the weather. You have to contend with the lock-in. And you have to continue and to live and to work. Um, I'm sure it's the same everywhere else, too. So, so you had a really good... A really good segue, and thank you for the, the introduction here. I know everybody's excited to hear from you and, and kind of get not only your story, but, but more or less, how are, how are things different? Because I'm here in the United States, and, and things are different state by state by state by state. In many cases, city by city is different. How are things up in Canada, not only for just the average citizen, but, but how, how has that impacted how you're continuing to operate and continue to grow and, and kind of the shifts that you've had to make. What, what's that been like for you, especially through COVID and, and 2020? And tell me a little bit about that. So I used to work at an office. I used to see patients uh, for, again, quite a few years. I actually sold off my last dental office five years ago and I semi-retired. I traveled the world, we had a blast one year was a, a year of nothing but travel and excitement and joy. Uh, but then I got back to work because frankly, uh, I need to produce, I need to create, otherwise life just uh, goes. Uh, that's the way I'm built. Uh, so while I was working, uh, if this had happened, I'd be in big trouble. Um, we'd shut down, dental offices, medical offices, all shut down. Uh, I have colleagues and friends 
were in big trouble. Uh, they sit at home for many, many months. Now, the way we're different than the Americans is that Canada has been very generous. Canada has been given a monthly payment for pretty much everyone who works or should have worked and is no longer able. So everyone has been getting $2,000 Canadian. That's 1500 US, give or take. Uh, but that's what people have been paid since March. So um, that has kept people alive. Uh, beyond that, now that it's ended, there's a different program. But Canada has subsidized businesses. It's given uh, interest-free loans that are not uh, fully repayable for two more years. Uh, Canada has subsidized people who are working. So employers who, who are hiring people are getting 75% of their wages returned by the government. The government is spending money like a drunken sailor on shore leave. At one point or another, this has to be paid back. Uh, in the United States, I think the, the federal government and the states have been much less generous. But because of this, people are in Canada much more apt to remain at home. Uh, getting them to return to work, now that's a bigger problem because when people get paid, uh, they're not so happy to go back to work. They're doing okay. Well, Matt, that opens up a curiosity. A lot a lot of the listeners here, we, we're international, but a lot of the listeners here are going to be United States, Canada area, mostly U.S.-based, but definitely some crossover here in the U.S., you're right, they have been less, quote-unquote, generous with, with stipends or stimulus or any of that. <clears throat> but for, for us here in America, while that may be detrimental short-term, it's not long-term because we, we, we don't have this now deficit or debt that has to be paid back at some point. How is, is small business going to be the one that has to bring that back to the Canadian government or what's the, what's the, what's going to happen in Canada? Cause the government can't give something it doesn't take from somewhere else. Right. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's not their money. It's someone else's money. And the only thing they can do is take from one pocket and put it in another. So the reckoning day is coming uh, for sure. Uh, right now, we're seeing a lot of small businesses going under. Um, it, it's rampant. In the city, we have, firstly, Airbnbs are shut down. There's no Airbnbs in Canada. And that's thousands and thousands of condos in the downtown core. And the people who own them are in trouble. The mortgages were subsidized at, at some point, but no longer. And they're stuck with those properties. And they have no one to pay the mortgage. So they're in trouble. Restaurants downtown, entertainment district is all shut down. There isn't any, it's a ghost town. Uh, office buildings, there's office buildings full of tens of thousands of employees. And most of them are working out of home. And all the food concourses in the entertainment district that used to provide services to them, they're shut down. Their customers are gone, they're gone. Uh, so this is uh, creating a chain reaction. Now, a few months from now, we're gonna get the vaccine behind you. So in the United States, the way it works is half of you are very Democrat and half of you are very Republican. There's really nothing in between. Uh, so some people love Trump, some people hate Trump, uh, but it so happens to be that love him or hate him, one thing that Trump does or did, he uh, pretty much absconded all the output of Moderna and Pfizer. So all the vaccine that these two companies will be producing for the near term 
is all going to stay in the United States. So that man that half of you hate horribly has done everything in his power to make sure that America comes first. That was his motto, and he's doing that. So like him or hate him, you have to admire the man. Yeah. That's what he's doing for your country. Absolutely. Um, it's not doing much good for us in Canada, but you still have to respect the man and how he puts his people ahead of everyone else. So in any case, we're going to be waiting many, many months before we can get vaccinated. And so it's going to be a while before we return to work. And when we do return to work, it's probably going to be very small, very slow. Our constructing, construction industry is in trouble. Uh, all these condos and houses are being put on the market now, and there's no buyers. So you don't need to build if there's no buyers. So that's a, in a complete disarray. And the government is going to have to raise the money from somewhere. How it's going to work, nobody knows. Uh, my guess, we're going to be getting into an inflationary period of time to reduce the debt, along with increased taxes and increased borrowing for the years to come. Um, I think the taxes are going to fall on the business person and uh, the middle class, but mostly because we have a liberal government, the equivalent of your Democrats, they're more likely to go after uh, medium to large businesses. Uh, so anyone here, entrepreneur, business people, they're going to get hit with vengeance. And it's going to be very painful. It is already painful. Uh, we pay incredible amount of taxes up here. Uh, and uh, we'll pay yet more. Um, this is one of the reasons I do what I do, is to gain the freedom to leave, to travel. I do not want to be anchored to a location. So... Well, that, that opens up really kind of one of the items that I want to segue into next, is you've taken it upon yourself, both with great pride and, and great capability, to recognize and know that that business needs to evolve, not only because of the current climate and the current epidemic or pandemic or, or hell, the, what's the, what's the uh, term that they're using around now because people think that it's been politicized, scamdemic, something like that. The, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, term. whatever you want to call it, the current situation of societies and the restrictions that it you've done a very good job of implementing change in the way that the business is set up to- ah, Thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that going forward, and I speak to people, I have a very good friend who happens to be a lawyer in the downtown core of the city. Mm -hmm. And he has been in the office twice since last March. He says to me that the building is absolutely empty. So we're heading into a different world and that's probably not going to recover completely. My guess is uh, we're still going to be an online society. School is, online, is going to be online. Uh, work is going to be online. Purchasing and commerce will be online. I feel really bad for young people uh, who want to go out and meet and mingle and, and get to know some mates or potential mates. Uh, how are they going to do that? I mean, you can't get the same feel from, from a screen, uh, but that's a problem they're going to have to contend with. Uh, in terms of business, things are moving online. We are offering our services online. Our designers, our case designers, treatment designers are all online, and so are the orthodontists. Uh, the only thing we have to do physically is once we design a case, it has to be produced. So we have 3D printers. Uh, they don't require much manning. 
and then we have technicians who pick up cases and uh, finish them, and then we pack everything and send it out on FedEx or Amazon or what have you. But the point is, everything is moving online, and the goal is to maintain the level of service and the level of the quality while remaining online. And we can do that very, very well. Um, even before the pandemic, a lot of the work that I'm doing in designing orthodontic cases has been online. Um, orthodontists would scan patients and the file would go down to one company or another where the case would be designed. So we're just accelerating the process and improving upon it and making it much more patient friendly. Uh, and we are um, in communications with our patients and clients to make sure that they feel comfortable and they feel that they're being followed through the process. But that's not gonna be just us. It's gonna be across the board in many industries. I think that's the way of the future. Now, it's the same in your business too, no, right? Uh, you give coaching. Absolutely. I mean, our, our businesses, even though we are primarily a digital asset company, right? Here, here at Funnel Driven and my three other companies, we build digital assets, digital technology, coaching, consulting, marketing, advertising, et cetera, right? And while that is all primarily digitally based, we've, we've been blessed to be able to help people like yourself and, and other entrepreneurs and businesses that, are, that recognize and acknowledge that that's how business is evolving and is going to keep evolving. Now, you have a unique position that I think would be very valuable for people to, to kind of get a hands-on to. You've had to go through growing your first few companies dental clinics practices before selling in the more traditional sense the brick and mortar the more physical developed business that's correct yep to to now developing and evolving one that's gone from that thought processes into an online service while keeping quality high <clears throat> so what would <clears throat> i apologize for the cough what would you recommend people listening and watching this do to to make that transition you've gone through it hands-on what are some tips tricks strategy that that have helped you that you've benefited from whether it be mindset or or physical practice that's that people listening could do so i'll tell you in terms of mindset it's about perseverance um elon musk said once on a ted talk that being an entrepreneur is like chewing on shards of glass while looking at the abyss um <laughs> yeah it's it's funny but it's uh i think it was actually sugar coating it i think it's a uh, sometimes a lot more difficult than that uh and i felt it and every entrepreneur out there has felt it and the key is uh you get up in the morning and you get back to work and you sit at your desk and do what you do and just do it for a few hours and end the day and continue on now, there's something very different between entrepreneurs and employees that's, that's key. Someone with an employee mindset really has to get themselves off to work. Going to work is not easy and they have to push themselves to go to work, but they have to pay bills, so they have to work. At the end of the day, they go home, work is over, they don't remember what they've done, they don't care until the next day. Entrepreneurs are very different. Entrepreneurs are always at work. The effort needs to be not to work. Entrepreneurs very often don't know how 
to cut away from work and do something else. And that is absolutely crucial because if you cannot do that, you cannot get recharged for the following day. But uh, when you're an entrepreneur and you don't see things moving, uh, sometimes it's very difficult. It's very demoralizing. So you need to find something, the small victories, just to give you enough of an impetus to continue on. I'll tell you something that's very, very important. Now, you didn't ask me for this, but I'm going to give you a plug. Uh, for all your watchers, they should know that Bryce Vance is, in fact, uh, one of my coaches, one of my main coaches. And I needed him simply because um, I'm very good when it comes to the brick and mortar. I've done many of that. I've started dental offices, cultivated, bought defunct offices, turned them around and we sold them. I've done very, very well over the years. But when it comes to online, uh, my marketing and sales skills are very, very narrow. And I needed someone. And to be quite frank, I've gone through one person, then another and a third. And uh, uh, it's difficult to find someone you can trust because when you get hit more than once, and you spend thousands of dollars and you can see that bank account draining like a, like a car running out of fuel and it's becoming a, a sweat situation where you've got a mortgage and you've got kids and you've got an empty fridge, then trust is, is very difficult to give to someone. So uh, I found Bryce, I think we found each other and he's actually pushed me along over the last several months very, very effectively and I would recommend them very strongly, although it's not in my interest because you're gonna get very busy as a result of this and you still need to have some time for me. <laughs> but you deserve it. You've done a great deal of value for me, um, enormous amount of value and uh, I appreciate it. And uh, anyone who puts trust in, in Bryce uh, is going to get uh, their money's worth many times over. So I recommend this man. He knows what he's talking about and he's dedicated and devoted to his clients. So um, people out there should know that. So there I, you go. I, I and you didn't ask me. So this is where I'm at. Uh, in terms of what one needs to do, uh, there's a process actually. You know what a product is, you know what your service is, uh, you know what you wanna do. You need to present it in a particular way. But I think the most valuable item is to put yourself in the mind of your own client. And as a client, look at yourself and decide what it is that the client is seeing. Now, some, it's very, very difficult to do. Sometimes you need a third party to represent the client because when it comes to online, trust is a big thing. When it's a low ticket item, $5, $10, $15, people compare, they price shop, they just look at reviews and they don't spend much more time than that. But when it's a big ticket item, or an item that requires a lot of their time investment, they wanna know that their money is very well spent and their time is very well spent. So you need to gain trust. Um, by doing this video, for example, we give people value. We're not asking for anything back, but uh, they need to gain trust. They need to know that you're serious, that uh, they'll get what they paid for from you. And that's where it's at, I think. Um, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> methodically it answers it methodically and i appreciate that now knowing the knowing the kind of socioeconomic chains that that you've gone through that i've gone through that all entrepreneurs at some point have to go through 
you've got imposter syndrome, you've got mindset challenges, you've got stressors that come in in the form of monetary time, your attention, your product, fulfillment, taxes, the government. <clears throat> you have all these exterior stressors and internal stressors, to be quite honest. You've done it the entire time that I've had the pleasure of knowing you, you've had one very consistent thing. And that's regardless of what happens in the government, in the business, in the bank account, in your family, in the mindset. And you use the word that, that encapsulates it very well, perseverance. You just refuse to give up, man. And I admire that. And, and it's, a, it's a quality trait that you and me both have in common. I don't know if this is something that we can do in a podcast, but I'd really love to figure it out. How can we, for the people listening, because there's people listening that are, that are in situations where they got fired from their nine to five or they can't go back to work because of restrictions. They just don't know what to do. Maybe they're barely making ends meet or they're not, but they have a passion. They, they love doing this thing. They're good at this thing. They want to make an impact with this thing. But the thing they're missing is that self-motivation, that self-determination, that, that perseverance there. What's one, what's one exercise, tip, trick, book, blog post, radio show, TV show, whatever it is that has always helped you get back to where you, you keep pushing forward, even it's, in your heart? It's a bunch of things. It's a bunch of things. But wait, let me see. Oh, I had a sign on the wall, a big sign. Okay, that's actually very helpful. My wife put it up there some a long time ago. It doesn't seem to be there anymore. It says, I have to do well because I like expensive shit. <laughs> I like it. I like the okay? fact. But you're getting that. So you look at that and say, yeah, you know what? Until COVID, we used to travel four, five, six times a year for fun. That doesn't include business. Um, we go everywhere. Uh, we go to the United States, we go across Canada, Europe, South America, Central America. We travel, we love to travel. We like to experience new places, new people, new cultures. And uh, that takes money. It takes time, you need to have freedom and it takes money. So if you're just living from hand to mouth, that's never gonna happen. Um, and then again, I have four kids. Those kids went through private schools and uh, now three, two of them are going to university. The third is going next year. She doesn't need any help. That one has a 97% average. She's gonna get every scholarship available under the sun. Uh, but still, uh, university for three kids is, is not a cheap uh, endeavor. And uh, it's my responsibility to take care of them uh, so they can stand on their own feet. So I look at them, that's a huge motivator uh, between the joy that I remember having between the kids, you don't need more motivation than that. But yet, sometimes you get up in the morning and you don't know what to do next. Uh, and it's very difficult. So there's one trick that actually my wife taught me. At the end of the day, you make a list of several items that you neglected to complete that day and several items that you want to complete tomorrow. And have that on your desk now, the act of actually writing that and staring at it and placing it in your desk, that sets you up for the next day. So it doesn't matter if you complete the whole list, but at the end of the next day, you'll still have a few undone items or partially done and a few new items 
and you put them on your desk and wait for the next day. At the end of a month, you can go through the list of all the things that you've accomplished and you'll find that if you compare it to the preceding month, when you didn't do that exercise, that if you accomplished so much more, and I find that very, very useful. Another thing that's really, really important, take that phone and put it at some far off distance. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, text, email, they're all beckoning you all the time. And every time you get disrupted, it takes time to get back to business. I know you think you're a multitasker, but there's no chance in the world you can do seven things all at once very, very well. So um, I'm not much of a multitasker, and so I need to concentrate. And if I get drawn off, it takes quite a lot of time to return back to focus. So not having these distractions, that's very helpful. For me, one more thing that really works very, very well, I like my shutters open. I need to see the sun. If I don't see a sun, it's very, uh, it, again, it's demoralizing. Having a little sun picks me up enormously. And, and for me, that really, really works. Exercise is not only in, uh, an option really right now. Uh, when we go out, we go on brisk walks. These days we're moving towards drives, but exercise too is very, very helpful for a lot of people. I think you do a, a regular routine of exercise and, and I'm pretty right, yes? Yeah, for, for a long time, I was hitting the gym six, seven times a week. Now, during COVID, I kind of did a fall off. And for about three or four months, I, I barely went, maybe once or twice, not consistent. I just started going back consistently again. And I'm going three to five times a week, depending on what my schedule's like. I'm probably still going to go tonight after I eat, go crush the gym again. And, but it's it's a consistency thing for me. Uh, not only for me, the physical activity is is really kind of threefold. One, it helps me purge anything that I'm holding on to from the day or or any frustrations or any anything that like just tenses you, right? Like it helps me purge that. Uh, two, it gives me a goal that's like outside of my passion, my day-to-day, -day, my businesses, it gives me a goal that is equal to that type of institution and goal where it's ever evolving, but it's just for me. <clears throat> I get that. So similarly, when I was in university, I was doing a graduate work. Um, I'm a research scientist by training. And during that time, while I was writing my thesis, uh, it was very, very difficult. I was blocked for quite a long time. And going to the gym was very, very helpful. Um, I found that going to the gym, talking to people and, and working out on a daily basis, five, six days a week, not only did they look great, uh, but it really invigorated me. And it pulled me along. Now, I don't get that chance to do that anymore. And these days, actually, uh, I need a distraction. Even when I go to the gym, if I'm not talking to anyone, if there's nothing happening around me, I find that my mind is still on the work. And it's very difficult to shut that down. It takes me days to shut it down. So I really need a lot of busy things around me, a lot of people, a lot of music, a lot of movement, just to draw my attention off, just so that I can uh, gear down from business. And that's, and that's one of the things, that's the third thing that, that the gym or any really physical activity helps with is I can put headphones in, blare some music, <clears throat> and just focus on 
a very primal movement of just moving heavy shit that's heavier than me. And I don't have to focus on anything else. Like that's, that's it. That's all my attention can go to something to clear my mind from the craziness that goes on for the rest of the time, right? Well, you're very lucky that you can do that switch. Uh, so again, for me, it's difficult. Even when I go away uh, on vacations, it takes me several days just to get out of the office. I can be far away. I could be in a forest in Costa Rica, but my mind is still in business for several days longer. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, I need that distraction. For me, it's the it's not loud music. For me, it's jazz. I listen to jazz and I go into a different universe. I st I studied jazz in college. I, I was a performing arts major for my first term, and uh, I studied folk and jazz. And the hardest to this day, the hardest class I've ever taken was taught by Michael Sandball. He's the head of the North the North American Western Jazz Society. He throws a festival every year in, here in Idaho and Utah. And the hardest class I've ever taken was Intro to Jazz History 101. On day one, walk into the, the lecture hall. He plays like a 10-second excerpt from some random fucking jazz song from like 1918. And he's like, who's the artist? What's the instrument? What's the timing? Is it syncopated? How's the syncopation? And what's the inspiration? Go. And we're like, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that reminds me of a story. So this, uh, there's a class in ornithology, ornithology, mm -hmm. the study of birds. And uh, there's an exam after a whole year of studies, there's an exam, and the students open up their exam sheet, and the first page, there's 20 images of bird legs. And the question is, what bird is that? Where does it live? What does it eat? And this one kid who studied like a madman, he studied for weeks and weeks. He thought he'd ace this exam. He was looking at this, what the hell is that? Well, like, just bird legs. He gets really upset. He shuts the exam down. He walks over to the examiner and throws it on his desk. And he's about to leave. And the examiner says to him, wait a second, what's your name? He pulls up his pant leg and says, you tell me. <laughs> Jazz story. A couple of years ago, we're doing a little trip in Italy, and uh, it's a long day. This is the hardest, the hottest month in recorded history. You know, like people were dropping from heat frustration. And uh, we are in uh, Florence. The heat is unbearable. It's 11 o'clock at night. We can barely breathe it so hot. And our kids allowed us a private evening. So they stayed back at the hotel. My wife and I are walking around in a great uh, area of Florence in the, in the great uh, um, plaza. And at the end of dinner, as we're walking, I hear beautiful jazz uh, instruments. I hear uh, basically just the winds. And it, I follow it like it was the Pied Piper of Hamelin, just kind of following <laughs> the music. And we're walking as it gets more and more intense and we hear the echoes off the sides of the buildings. And we happen to, to be uh, outside of a little coffee shop. In the veranda, there's a large table with about 15, 16 people sitting, all in tuxedos, some women in beautiful dresses. And one of those people just gets up, sits at the front of the coffee shop 
and starts playing um, an instrument. And after 10 minutes or so, he sits down and another gentleman goes over and plays an inst instrument. And so we stood there, it's like 1230 at night. And so we asked one of the waiters what that's about. They said, no, no, this is the Florence Jazz Festival. It's the wind instrument jazz festival that occurs every July in Florence. Is it really? So yeah, so these people, <clears throat> they're not just your average players. This is the head of the Berlin Philharmonic, and this is the leader of the orchestra of, of Paris, and that is a professor at Juilliard, and et cetera, et cetera. I said, you're kidding. I said, no, they come here every summer. They sit outside in our veranda. We feed them, they take turns playing, and this is our pleasure. They do that for several days every summer. So can we sit? Can we, are we free to join? So absolutely. So we sat there and listened to music from the gods for about an hour before they wrapped it up. And I tell you, anywhere in the world, if you were to pay for attendance for such a, such a concert, it'd be hundreds and hundreds of dollars. We're the luckiest two people on the planet. And I couldn't, awesome. get that, I couldn't get that smile off my face for days. Uh, that was such a pleasure. Um, That's awesome. I cannot wait to go back during that same time because they'll still be on that veranda. So that's something to uh, look forward to. And again, that basically means I got to go and succeed in business because that's an expensive undertaking. Because remember, you like expensive shit. <laughs> I like expensive shit. <laughs> yeah. So talking about, let's get back on track because we kind of went down this little rabbit hole for a second. Jazz. We, we've all exactly yeah we've only got a few minutes left so before i have you wrap up i always like to ask for three things from everybody that comes on the show favor one is what is one tip that you can give everybody listening <clears throat> just to keep them going through the rest of the year what what's one thing that they can do take action write a blog do video, do content, hop on a podcast. What's one thing to help them be comfortable being uncomfortable so that they can they can start succeeding more because they like expensive shit? Okay. The, oh, so if it's, I got to give you one tip, it's going to be a very important tip. Um, I think people need to be comfortable failing. I think that's very important. Uh, I, I think you need to be able to ride a bike. You need to know that the worst thing that can happen is that you fall off. And it's not to the end of the world. You just get back on the bike. You scrape off your, the dust, get back on the bike. Uh, if you're afraid to fail, then you're afraid to progress. You can't move forward. And you have to fail to find the right way to do things. Um, that reminds me of a line of a book by James Mishner about the space program in the United States. Um, when they talk about the space program, so they succeeded, but there's so many parts to that spaceship, to the Apollos of back when, tens of thousands of parts, and they failed many, many times before they get a success. So unless you are willing and are ready to fail, you're not going anywhere. So once you get comfortable with the idea that you're just failing, it's merely a step to the next stage then you can't move forward. So I think that's very important is get comfortable with failure. Yeah. Favor number two, and this is more just an opinion. I'm, I'm always kind of curious about this. 
we always like to have a pin favorite number two be something personal what's what's your favorite show your favorite place your favorite vacation your favorite your favorite thing that you're you kidding me man besides the veranda besides that what's one thing that you would recommend anybody listening wherever they're in the world a thing that they can do to experience to kind of brighten up the rest of their day or brighten up their mood if they're in kind of a lull and they're just going through it right so i'll tell you that i look at travel magazines i look at international travel uh international living and i look at different places and i set them as objectives these are the places i want to go to so it's kind of a goal to reach. It's like when you have a, a swimmer or a runner, they focus on the on the end zone, on the line that they have to reach. This is my target. This is my objective. If you're asking me for running specifically, so I will tell you that everybody has their own. Um, I love festivals. So in Barcelona, I love the Dali Festival. In um, um, I'd love to go to Burning Man. I've never been, but I'd love to go to Burning Man. Uh, in Rio, Christmas in Rio is a pretty awesome. New Year in Rio is pretty awesome. Uh, but for Carnival, uh, one has to go to Bahia, Salvador de Bahia. That's north of Rio. And then there's many more. There's uh, Tomatina in Italy. And there's Running of the Bulls in uh, Pamplona, Spain. But all of these places are calling me. And I, there's many festivals, many places to go to. Never been to Oktoberfest in, in uh, Munich. That's something that is not to be missed. Uh, but that's mine. That's my objective. That's what I focus on when I know I need to work hard in order to get those objectives. So, so find one thing and focus on, focus on the thing as an objective rather than focus on what you're doing right now. Yeah, that's for me. For me, is I, I set the target like in far off distance. I like and again, for me, the, tra the, the target is a destination yeah. and uh, a festival or an occasion. And it, and, and, it could, and it could be different for everybody. It may not be a place or a thing. It may be an experience or a time or a feeling. could be different for everybody. But, but I, I like it. I like having the, that in the distance objective. I like it. I cannot wait to get back to New York. We have a very set routine for New York experience. Uh, same with New Orleans, San Francisco, Boston, uh, Chicago. Uh, and uh, for me right now, the objective I think is returning to Spain and going to the running of the bulls. And uh, there's this amazing hot air balloon festival uh, just around at that time. And so for me, that's the objectives. And so my kids already know that I'm looking forward to taking them along with me. Awesome. Okay, so so, so, so last favor. This is this is the grand finale. Last favor. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you, get to know you a little bit? Maybe they're a perfect candidate and they're looking for some help from Smiles by Design. Where can they go to find you, interact with you, connect with you, learn more about what you're doing, and really kind of just keep that momentum going? I'm easy to reach. Uh, social media reaches me pretty much from everywhere. But if anybody wishes to connect with me, uh, they can send me an email at info at letsgetyousmiling.com. I'll say that again. Info at letsgetyousmiling.com. 
That's uh, one connected word. Uh, if anybody just wants to say hello, if they need our services, if they just want a little inspiration as uh, into one entrepreneur to another, I'm happy to help uh, get people up and moving uh, so they, they get to their objectives, they get their pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. I know everybody got a ton of value from you today. I know it's late where you're at. It's late where I'm at. So I just want to thank you again for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on here. We'll have to find out if we can do this again and, and kind of just keep it going. Fantastic. Have a good night and enjoy your dinner. You too. Thank you. This is the Inbound Secret. My name is Bryce, and I'm your host for the Inbound Secret, where we're talking with top performers and health experts and sales badasses alike about their strategies to optimize their well-being and performance. Once again, this is the Inbound Secret, and, and let's get rocking and rolling. This is the Inbound Secret.